whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. In the end, you need to be driven by equity value, not ego. Because it is a business and you did commit to customers and you did commit to investors. And that's what has to drive roles and growth and org structure and recognize it's an organic growing being. And that people are everything, right? If people solve all problems and they create all problems, you know, you need to always be thinking about how do I attract the right people? How do I nurture them? So here we had this dilemma, this this fact, this fact. This I spent almost a decade, decade researching decade. this subject. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. You may have tried Hint Water before, but this is my podcast. Each week, we talk to some of the most creative entrepreneurs from world touring pop stars like Jay Sean to the people behind favorite Instagram accounts, including So Yummy, New York City, and even YouTubers like Sarah Dietschy. So the million dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Our guest on the show today is Jessica Heron, founder of Stella and Dot. Today, we dive into how Jessica came up with the brilliant idea for Stella and Dot, her advice to entrepreneurs on how to raise funding, how to attract and nurture the right people to hire, and help you grow your business, plus the best advice Jessica's ever been given and how it's changed her life. This is key. You're going to love this episode. Now sit back and enjoy the show. 
everybody. It's Kara at Unstoppable, and we're so excited this morning to have Jessica Heron from Stella and Dot with us this morning. Um, just a little bit about Jessica, in case you guys aren't familiar uh, with her or the brand, although you must be living under a rock if you guys don't know about Stella and Dot. It's so, so great. We have actually a few people from the office said, um, oh my gosh, you're interviewing the founder of Stella and Dot. That's so exciting. I wear their stuff. And they started showing me everything that they had on of Stella and Dot. It was, it was really cute, Jessica. So Jessica uh, is the founder and basically started styling her life with lots of cool, smart, you know, great, great things. But prior to actually starting Stella and Dot, she actually was the, not that, were you, were you actually the, you, yeah, you were the founder of Wedding Channel. I remember Wedding Channel way back when. So Jessica went to Stanford Business School and then at the age of 24, is that right, Jessica? That, that's right. I, I co-founded a business that then merged with Wedding Channel. That's always the story of a startup, right? It's yeah. Just summer it up in one sentence because it's always complex and a windy road. But yes, I was 24 when, when uh, we dropped out of business school to, to start it. Oh my gosh, that's wild. And then uh, since then, uh, went on to do Stella and Dot. She probably can add a few more things in there as well. And then, you know, just has been covered by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Oprah, Forbes, all giving her lots of Great honors. Also, Ernst and Young Inc. 500 as a top entrepreneur. She's also involved, as I am, in in YPO in the Bay Area, and um, is a parent uh, too to a uh, few. How many? How many kids, Jessica? Two girls. Two girls. Super, super awesome. And uh, which I think I'd love to talk about a little bit about that too. It's really, really exciting. But. Uh, but I love also the saying, and we'll get into this and sort of the explanation, but the nine to five just doesn't flatter. I love that. When I heard, did some research and, and saw that, I think that's that's really fun. I'd love to hear a little bit more. But, but anyway, welcome, Jessica. Really excited to have you here. So tell me a little bit about the journey. So co-founded the company, jumped in at uh, age 24 into, what was the name of that startup? It was originally Stella and James, and then we merged with another company called Wedding Channel and renamed. That's awesome. And and so you're at Wedding Channel, you're building out wedding registries, uh, sort of learning as you're going, right? And what was what was some of the big takeaways that you learned in that startup? Well, you know, it was it was a fascinating first gig as an entrepreneur. And ever since I graduated college, I'd always been at startups. So always my dream to start a company. And I went at that first one very much with my head. I did everything you would learn to do in a textbook you'd read at business school by looking at addressable market size and how change was going to create opportunity with disruptive technology or different consumer behavior. I found a space that needed a solution when the internet was being created and we could aggregate and move gift registries online for consumer uh, ease and convenience. And I learned a lot about just creating a customer value proposition that was unique, that delivered how to finance a business, how to get it started. But I think my ultimate lesson from those days of Wedding Channel was that you can't just start a business with your 
head to be successful. You've got to come in with head and heart and make mission driven. And that's what ultimately helped me evolve as an entrepreneur to start the mission driven company of the selling up family of brands. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long Term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell, or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. 
I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's awesome. So Wedding Channel was the largest, right? Wedding services company. You weren't married at that point, right? Were you? You know, it was kind of funny because I was always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And when I <laughs> searched for this company, I started buying wedding magazines and I had some in the back of my car. And I remember I was, you know, young. I think when I was doing the research, I was probably 22, 23. And I was dating someone and I remember picking up him and his friends and they saw the wedding magazines in the back of my car and they were like, oh my God, you, you got to get rid of this woman. She is trying to get you down the aisle, which ironically, I did get him down the aisle. He did turn out to be my husband, but I, <laughs> at that time, I was definitely not even focused on knowledge of weddings or getting married. I came from an enterprise software background. And so to me, I came from this business that was aggregating price and availability data for computer bars. And if you think about what Wedding Channel is, it's aggregating price and availability data from different retail stores to put it in one place. So, so my inspiration was very dry, very boring, and actually not wedding related. That's, that's interesting. So, so going from like a, uh, more of a business, uh, services, software applications company to more of a, you know, consumer facing company, was that a huge shift for, for you? I mean, did you feel like, obviously it probably taught you quite a bit about how to, you know, actually, you know, look at the analytics, deal with the customer, et cetera. But what would, what do you think were like the biggest things that you saw? I mean, I hear over and over again from tech firms and, and people that have, are really not doing consumer, you know, B2C brands, but instead B2B brands. What do you think are sort of like the key differences from a, you know, executive or founder that you would share with us? You know, I, I think of the course of business and, and the different businesses I have started, including, you know, my first business in high school, selling personalized children's books to, to starting a, and working at enterprise software companies to going into uh, something that's a hybrid company. Because for West Channel, we had both. We were both 
uh, business to consumer because we had uh, wedding services, we had stores, and then we also sold into retailers. So I think that what I would say is there's frankly more in common than there is a part, and it's really common sense. And, and I actually think when you think of an idea or when you think about how to win in business, you go through this complexity curve where you the idea and it's usually very simple. Where in your mind you're saying, here's a problem, I can create a solution. Then you got to get kind of complex by saying, well, how do I do it? What does it cost? Can I be profitable? What people do I need? What's my point of difference? And then you, know, you really start getting mired in the details of how you do it. But at the end of the day, business is pretty simple. You have to serve and delight your customers. And it, it's not any more complicated than that. And that's true in both B2C and B2B. So uh, for the differences, I would say, is you know across businesses, often when are you trying to create a business where you're going to win because you're going one to many? You know, your customer is in order to win, you've got, uh, you know, a set of 10 giants that you've got to lock and load into that deal and what's going to make them move versus are you a real volume transaction business where you've got to go win by getting thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of customer transactions. And with this channel, it was really interesting because it was a bit of a a combination, you really were dependent on locking up retailers to create value there. And there were some giants in that industry. And that really shapes how you market, what you focus on, how you structure the company. Where in my subsequent businesses, you know, you're, you're really focused on um, a broader uh, appeal in your solution. Yeah, definitely. I, I 100% agree with you. So, so you ended up selling Wedding Channel to, or you were part of the team that sold Wedding Channel and then started Stellan Dot. What was kind of the thinking behind that? I mean, what, how much time did you take off in between? How did you like really get passionate about the idea and think, oh gosh, I can go make a company out of this? Well, it was a long and windy road, which is why I always want to share with, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are asking themselves, how do I get that not just a lightning bolt moment, but a lightning bolt moment where I feel like this energy that this is the business I'm supposed to be doing and I'm soulfully connected to this and I've got to go dedicate all my life, even though it's crazy to making this thing real. You know, it is not usually a moment. It's a journey and one that is riddled with doubt and confusion and, you know, zigs and zags. For me, I have the idea for uh, Stella and Dot, or what would become Stella and Dot, or really the underlying mission of, of modernizing flexible income for women and recreating a gig economy for women, when I was at Wedding Channel. So the time between us selling that business to the Knot and, you know, they all like fingers, you know, grasped together. It, it is something where I think I had the original idea in probably 2000. The company was incorporated and I was testing it in 2004. We changed our name to Sell and Dot and it really started going off you know, in 2007. And I had an entire other full-time job for three years in between where I was doing this at nights and weekends. So, you know, and I think that's generally true of anybody who has kind of a business idea that has to percolate and evolve and you find partners and you find the moments and the, the funds and, and the, actually the evolution of the idea that sparked. Um, for me, I was in this place with Wedding Channel saying, okay, I created success on paper. It looks good. We were on Oprah. Why do I not feel that successful? Why do I feel like I have a business that runs me versus running it? Why am I like, this can't be it. I, how can I work this hard? 
create commercial success, but not really feel right in my life. And I wanted to just step back and say, what do I deeply care about that I would bounce out of bed in the morning to do for free because I so deeply believe in the mission. And for me, that was going to be about learning and earning for women, just financial empowerment to right imbalances in the world that I see for women helping to fuel their, that level up their skills, increase their flexibility and financial power. And, and that, when I looked at that industry, I was, you know, it looked so dated and didn't use technology and didn't really do a woman's service with brand and product. And I really felt beyond interested, but totally obsessed with the idea of changing that and creating a new model and a social selling platform that women could, could thrive with and be proud of that wasn't icky. And that was a really long figuring out how to do it because I had no idea what I was doing in that space. I remember when you guys launched and it was definitely, I mean, I, I feel like you guys were one of the first that really, that just utilized this way of selling. I mean, obviously there's Avon and Mary Kay and some of the others, but much more makeup focused. Like, I, I don't know, maybe I, I don't recall other ones, but that had launched, but I remember when you guys launched and I thought it was brilliant and still think it's brilliant today that you're able to really make these women, you know, like they're, they're part of your team, yet they're working from home. The whole social selling, I mean, I think is definitely uh, something that is, I, I feel like other people have mimicked what you've done even outside of your category. Um, but it's, uh, but it's, it was brilliant. And I also want to, I, I believe this is correct. You were pregnant at the time when you were thinking this up. Well, you know, see that, that sort of thing, when I was really decided to be my own venture capitalist, because that's the other lesson I learned and intent that was very different for me in business number one versus business number two was, you know, when I was in business school, it, it, people, which is so comical to me, people measure their successes. Oh, I raised this number of venture dollars from this firm. That's not business success. That's just a start, right? That's not creating value. That's just taking capital that you have to return and multiply. So in my, I did that in my first business. In my second business, I wanted to bootstrap it. If I was going to keep control of the mission, I wanted to have control of the cap table. So, you know, that was a very different evolution and start. And so for me, we really, it took years of, figuring out how to do it. And I wanted to be my own venture capitalist by saying, okay, I'm going to put my money in. I'm going to put my time in and I'm going to vet this thing to make sure it works. So I had the idea probably, uh, two years before I got pregnant. But when I was really actively testing the concept where I was going out and making the jewelry, doing test trunk shows, really figuring out how to modernize this opportunity so that I deeply believed in it and walked a million miles you know, in the shoes of the women that I wanted to help. I was pregnant with my first kid. In fact, at my very first drunk show, my hostess looked at me and outed me for being pregnant because she was looking at me like, it just looked like I had been indulging in a lot of Twinkies lately, but wasn't out of the closet. <laughs> oh, what's going on over there? You're obviously like, tell me, what, what are you not telling me? And I was like, I am pregnant. <laughs> that is so funny. I, I was pregnant with my son, actually, my fourth, when I was, when I started Hint as well. So I, I laugh. So- I had two and then Stellandot became my third baby. And now I wish I had another. Can I have one of yours? Yes. It, actually, it's uh, depending on the day. Yes, I have four teenagers. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it's a very moody household depending on. You know. uh, so uh, I feel ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's that definitely d puts a a little um, 
which I say focus on on what my day is going to end up being. But that's that's funny. I felt like the my launch time was actually, you know, definitely there was there was timing for the baby that I couldn't do anything about. And so I decided that I actually wanted to get the first bottle of Hint on the shelf prior to actually having my son, Justin. And that did happen. I actually uh, sold it in the morning that I was actually having a planned C-section at two o'clock in the afternoon. But for me, I think if I wouldn't have had the baby, I probably like wouldn't have been in such a rush. I wanted to take some time off after having him. So it was like, and of course I didn't take any time off. I just jumped right in, which was insane. I brought my, you know, that, that is actually, you know, one of the things I go back to um, Stanford Business School and they teach a case on in formation of new ventures on Stellan Dot. And it's really funny because people always ask about when you think about starting a business, what's the timeline? What's the inflection point? And people ask the question as if you're in a theoretical business exercise. But the reality is you don't start a company, you start a life. And you're, it, there's all these non-market externalities like pregnancy, breastfeeding, health, <laughs> that shape your timing decisions with business. And so for me, it was very much shaped out of um, when I was doing what with my babies. That really influenced me in terms of when I was gearing up, what I would commit to investors, all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. So you did raise funding, though. Like you talked a little bit about, you know, sort of owning the cap table and owning while you're owning the mission, but you did raise money over the years, correct? I mean, like what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are thinking about raising money? So, it, you know, well, one, I think you have to, the advice for fundraising is that you are, your capital needs are driven by your business concept, the cost to start and prove value in your business. And, and then if you're doing venture rounds, you've got to raise capital with the right strategic partners that will help you with, if you need future rounds that you'll need to prove value in between to get a step up and get another round and the right to continue to prove out your business model. And so, you you know, there isn't one piece of advice for this is what you need to raise with this type of investor. You really have to ask yourself, what is the minimum amount of capital I need uh, from myself, my savings, credit cards, small business loans, institutional investors, small seed rounds, friends and family, large investors, strategic partners, based on what I have to do to create value in the business. So I purposely sought, you know, my first business, it had to be venture backed. It was something where we needed a large amount of capital to get the right uh, retail partners to believe in us. There was a lot of technology build out that had to happen. In the second business, I knew I could bootstrap that, and I actually wanted to do a do a business that I could bootstrap. So there was intent there um, on both sides, and they were very, very different paths. So I would say, do not seek glory uh, in the idea that raising capital is some sort of metrics of success or validity for proof of concept. Your your goal should be to raise the least amount of capital and and have the least amount of dilution and the least amount of um, differing uh, drivers around the table uh, for the success of your business. So, so that is my thought. I mean, a lot of people see that as a first milestone of success, and you have to think, well, what's your end game? You, you better know what you want as a liquidity strategy and a control strategy before you go raise capital. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the best advice that I got early on is, you know, especially, uh, you know, as you're building out your who's going to fund your company, but also who's going to, you know, potentially be on your board too. It's like, I think that you just have to get everything out on the table as hard as it might be. And, you know, shiny objects aren't actually, you know, they don't last shiny forever, right? You go just because you have somebody super interested in, in putting money into your business, you, the devil's always in the details as to whether or not it actually is going to work for you or not. So, I mean, the number of people that I've talked to who have, you know, a year later sort of seen they've gotten kicked out of the company as a founder, or they've, um, you know, ended up really not understanding exactly what they ultimately signed. So I, I think having a good attorney too, that really can look through and, and clearly explain just so that you can make those decisions, where do you want this business to go? So I think that that's such a key thing. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So best advice you've ever received in business, I should say, in life and business. Well, that is a, you know, I, I bring it back to my greatest mentor in life, which is my dad, who's this incredible human. I'm so lucky that he was my parent and he was a single dad that raised me. He came from this incredible background where his, you know, his mother uh, was a widow and she since he was three, she had a fourth grade education. You know, they were, they were very, very humble means, very poor. And he grew up not thinking he'd go to, you know, that he'd ever be able to go to college and he ultimately graduated with a master's degree in engineering and just as a real self-made like hustler of a man. And I think his, his mindset has always been, you know, if you want to learn something, crack a book. Like don't think you need a pedigree or that somebody else is going to come educate you. But if you want something, you, you know, the library is open and it's free. Now we have access to the internet, like go figure it out and, and never expect somebody else to show it for you if you are not showing up for yourself. So for me, that really helped me as an entrepreneur because I never thought that I was unqualified to go start a technology business or a fashion business or a skincare business or, you know, one of these other things, I just had to be willing to learn. Even if I was not the expert, you would, you do not have expertise. When you start, you get expertise over time with failure, with iteration, with tenacity. Right. And, and I think, Tenacity is the key thing. It's like, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, I think just learning all aspects of the business always have this, you know, need and desire to be learning, I think is such a key component that I see in, especially in founders as they've grown the company. Do you feel like, I I know I certainly do, but different stages of the company really need different types of people um, inside of the company and has different challenges. Where do you guys see yourself today in terms of, you know, having those sort of challenges? Well, we had our holiday party last night and I just like when I gave the company toast, I was sitting there in this glorious moment of just looking around amazing souls of people dedicated to our mission with the best talent and leadership we've ever had in place and culture. And I think that really for us was transitioning. We're in that midst of that transition now from being really this founder led early startup culture to really a professionally run organization. Not that we weren't professional in the beginning, because let me be very, very clear. If you are trying to get a business from zero to one and from scratch, 
if you start talking about like empowerment and racy, you are doomed. Okay. There's no such thing that you have to do everything and you have to do it right now. And you have to, you know, you have to be a hero to be a crazy founder, but at some point you scale, you grow, you change. And the other thing around early stage startup, you are always resource poor. So in theory, you should hire this person and do that. In reality, you can't. So you're, you know, it's not going to happen or you're not at a proof point yet where you're going to attract the level of talent you need. So I always like to make the people comparison as I do office space, right? You may plan on being a billion business one day. And when that happens, you're going to need a, you know, a skyscraper, but to start out, you're in a garage and you're not, you don't want to pay for the skyscraper today. You're just going to have to keep moving and either you're going to move with people because they're going to grow with you or you're going to move because people are going to transition and you're going to change your other people's roles, your own roles. And in the end, you need to be driven by equity value, not ego, because it is a business and you did commit to customers and you did commit to investors. And that's what has to drive uh, roles and growth and org structure and recognize it's an organic growing being. And that people are everything, right? If people solve all problems and they create all problems. So you need to, you know, you need to always be thinking about how do I attract the right people? How do I nurture them? How do I not try to be the right organization for all people? Cause that ain't going to happen, but how you know who you are and, and you continue to focus on people. Absolutely. That is such great advice. Well, Jessica, this is so, so great. Jessica here. And where do people find you? Uh, uh, they find, first of all, our mission. They want to support women in business and earning flexible income. It's the Stellan.Family brands. And we have three brands that help power flexible earnings for women, actually over 500 million in commissions paid choices made. Uh, and that is Stella and dot at Stella.com. Keep collective at keep collective.com and ever skincare and beauty at ever uh, And then I am on Instagram at Jessica Heron, which is just J E S S I C A H E R R I N and Facebook, you know, all those places. And you have such a great Instagram too. I love the, the I love yours and Stella and dot. So it's super great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you again soon too. Uh, you too, Kara. So great to connect with you. Thank you too. Thanks. Bye. You can follow Stella and Dot on Instagram at Stella Dot. Plus, learn more about Stella and Dot at Stella Dot Dot Com. And you can follow Jessica on Instagram at Jessica Heron. like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. unstoppable.